Welcome to another episode of Restoring Your Voice, where me, your host, Pastor David, helps you to use your voice for God's glory to speak up and speak out. So welcome to today's episode. As of this recording, it is the 14th of July, 2021, and today I'm going to continue a thread um, that I've been talking about uh, through my Sunday sermons. Uh, through uh, yesterday's broadcast on the Beard of Truth. So, by the way, if you haven't checked out that podcast, which is heavily focused on Bible teaching from scriptures, heavily, heavily focused in the scriptures, go check it out. Look for the camouflage logo because there are other people that had a podcast of the same name, but mine has a camouflage logo. So, go look for it. So, we're going to talk about today counterculture, right? And why is this such an important topic, I believe, is because that the church has decided to run with the culture in many instances. And there have been many recent events in America and around the world where the church has decided, let's play it safe by sitting on the sidelines. Let's not ruffle any feathers. Let's just stay behind the four walls. Let's all just get along. Well, how has that worked out recently? Well, it hasn't. And I'll tell you why. I'll give you an example of a, of, there was a, an organization, a ministry that applied to the IRS for a tax exempt status. And they were denied initially because of their beliefs. Um, the IRS de- decided not to, but thankfully there was a lawsuit that ensued because of this and they won and they have now been granted praise god their tax relief status their tax exempt status on that and this is just one example now this is a good example of of somebody who decided we're not laying down we're not taking it you don't tell us what to do god tells us what to do instead however there have been you know numerous examples of the exact opposite so I don't know if you know about this, but 4th of July weekend, Hobby Lobby came without came out with a statement, right? Saying about one nation under God. And yet there are leaders, respected voices by many, not by me, um, respected voices by many who have actually came out against Hobby Lobby. And I couldn't believe the rubbish that came out about this, honestly. Uh, things talking about Oh my gosh, they shouldn't have said that. You know, they should have been more concerned. How could people take it? Like, seriously. Wow, that is so counter kingdom right there. That is so running with the culture, right? Let's not ruffle feathers. Let, 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 you know, we have to word everything perfectly and carefully because, oh my gosh, we might offend people and they might take it the wrong way. Well, you know what? The Bible tells us about that specific, you know, idea that. The people in this world, those who are walking in darkness, cannot process, can you know, the things of God because we we don't have the spirit of God if we're in the world, right? So the world is darkened. Their understanding is darkened, and the Bible makes this perfectly clear throughout Scripture, right? Uh, that only the things of the Spirit, by the way, can re- be revealed by the Holy Spirit. So i believe that these leaders have had their understanding darkened and i'm not playing just jury and executioner and no by no means am i going to dishonor anybody by publicly shaming them that's not how i roll 
but I must be God against this. I mean, really, because the world is not going to understand what we say in regards to the kingdom of God. They're not. They're going to get offended. They're going to get butt hurt. Okay, they're going to get feathers ruffled and, and more. I mean, that's why people get deplatformed, for instance. That's why uh, Eric Metaxas, who takes a stand for the kingdom, he lost his YouTube channel because he was willing to take a stand for the things of God. He decided to walk in the fear of the Lord versus the fear of the world. Amen. And, and that's a problem in the church today. And we have people hurting around the world and, and much of the churches in America are, are not willing to do anything. They'll say, well, the kingdom of God gets saved. Well, no, getting saved, my friends, is just the beginning. Getting saved is just getting to the starting line. Okay, it's not even running the race yet. And But unfortunately, with many churches, salvation is where it stops. All right, you got saved, good, welcome to our church. You know, have at it, go for it, and, and nothing is done. And these are the type of churches and organizations that, that proclaim Jesus but refuse to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world, right? They refuse to, to obey what Jesus said, commanded, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. And you may say, well, brother, that only involves people in the church and save people. And then um, if you think that, then you don't know the Jesus of the Bible. You know a Jesus made in your own image, but you don't know the Jesus of the Bible. The, the very Jesus who hung out, hung out with sinners, who hung out with drunks, right? Who hung out with, with those considered unworthy of anything by who? The religious leadership of his day. Who 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 outcast the outcasts. Right? Those who did not fit in with their image of society. But Jesus came along and said, you know what? I'm gonna show you exactly what the kingdom of God. I'm gonna show you my father's heart. Because Jesus did say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said he didn't speak or do anything unless he first heard it from the Father and saw it. So I don't think many in the church today have any connection with the Father. They're certainly not listening to the Father. They're certainly not keeping their eyes on the Father. Because if they were, they would be doing instead of just talking. You know, you know how the saying goes, talk is cheap, right? And it's true. I mean, the Bible says it i believe that's where people got this saying from i can't prove it but you know james the brother of jesus who by the way once you know hated his bro uh said you know you, you show me by your words and i'll show you by my actions and he said because summed it up faith without works is dead not that works saves us but where are our works as evidence of our faith right there has to be evidence right just like you go to court and or you want to or they want to arrest or prosecute somebody right but they can't properly do that with what they call circumstantial evidence in other words we think no we well it might have happened no to properly convict somebody uh, there has to be proof there has to be something that can be seen right well this person is murdered this person okay well are there eyewitnesses to back it up are there you know evidence of, of dna perhaps on them maybe their fingerprints on something but you, you get where i'm going so my question to all of you out there is if you were prosecuted for being a follower of jesus would there only be circumstantial evidence or would there be evidence of your faith in other words what have you done for the kingdom of God. Because it's all fine and dandy to sit back there on the sidelines, watch 
and criticize. It's a whole nother deal to be in the trenches for the kingdom of God, to be on the front lines, to be taking on these spiritual dark forces that we have weapons of warfare that are mighty to fight against. But maybe oh, I can't do that. That's not my thing. No, it is all of our things. That that thing that Paul wrote about in the Bible was never addressed to a specific group of believers. It was for believers for all time. We were told by Jesus that we will take on the kingdom of hell. That we will crash the gates. We're going to be door kickers and trigger pullers against the spiritual dark forces that are trying to take over. And let me just say, the only reason that they will be successful is if we let them, if we back off, if we if we cower in fear. And I'm sick of fear-based faith, okay? That is not even a real faith, okay? That is a fake counterfeit faith if we live in fear. And I say, brother, but you don't know. No, you don't understand. I do know. I do. I've been on both sides. I've been so trapped in fear that my gut was sick that it was knotted and cramped and i also have now been on the other side and which is only through jesus jesus told us himself and other places in the bible old and new testament by the way to do not fear do not be afraid right why because he has overcome the world and now he has been given all power and authority which that means if we're under his rule, we get that same exact power and authority, nothing less. But that's not preached nowadays, right? That whole power and authority. And that's why we have powerless Christians, nominal Christians, right? Because I'm telling you right now, folks, if we call ourselves a Christian, but we don't have the evidence to back it up, then we're not really Christians, only, only in name. Because true believers, right, true believers will be on fire for the kingdom of God and that fire will not die out. It will only burn brighter. It will only be hotter as the, as the days go on. Right? I don't know what everybody's situation is, but I know that everybody can be kingdom believers, that we can run counter to the current culture that we live in today wherever that may be maybe it's a, uh, a nation that's, that's run by islam maybe it's a nation run by evil communists and socialists well guess what there are believers in these places who refuse to back down are they doing it perfectly no but at least they don't back down at least they're on fire for god at least they refuse to back down and yet, we here in the West, especially in America, where we have it easy, where we have freedom of speech, where we have freedom of religion, right, both guaranteed by the First Amendment, we refuse to take a stand, we refuse to use our God-given voices for the Kingdom of God, and many times we use those voices instead to pump ourselves up, right, we, we, we start becoming victims of our own press, man, all well, that that pastor is so anointed. Wow, those prophetic words. Woo, they just make me feel so good. Well, you know what? None of that is evidence of walking in faith with Jesus. Anybody can can do that, right? CEOs do that all the time. There are people who publish books 
I mean, who knows how many they have published? Twenties, thirties, um, and yet that doesn't make them any more of a Christian than a rock. And our culture will tell us and try to define us by, you know, a, define our faith for us, and we have let it happen. And we wonder, and we want to scream, and we want to shout, and we want to raise our fists. And say, oh my goodness, can you see those people over there that are evil, right? When we really honestly should be looking in the mirror. I've said it time again, and I'll keep saying it. If if we wonder why the culture we live in is the way it is, we'll take a good, hard look in the mirror, and you'll see the answer. It's us, the saints. Us, the body of Christ, because we refuse to be the body of Christ. We've let it happen, Right? The, the culture of our day did not infect the church. No, the culture of the church infected the culture of our day. And that's why we ended up where we are currently with all sorts of evil, child sex trafficking, pornography running rampant. Amen. With divorce rates skyrocketing, adultery, uh, with, with, with leadership that has been a festering fungus in the church I'm talking about pastors I'm talking about apostles so on and so forth that's what I'm talking about we let it happen and, and you know what even worse we the saints have refused to confront the evil in our own church we want revival and we scream revival and that's all well and good and I'm all for revival and that's why I do what I do Trying to lead the church back to righteousness and holiness and God's standard of living. And I'm all for that. I'm all for revival. But if we want revival, we need to have a reformation. We need to change the way we think, the, the, the way we do. We need to change that. And if we refuse to change that, then if a revival were to start, it would never be sustained. It would fizzle out before it's even begun. And we can't allow that to happen. My friends, it is do or die time. It's revival time. We, we need to be kingdom changers, kingdom impactors. That's what we need, my friends. We, we can't just be afraid uh, just because we might, you know, hurt somebody's feelings. No, we got to get past that. And with that, we're going to take a break for an ad. All right, welcome back, my friends. Look, my heart breaks because I know the power of God. I know the power of God to move in people. And I know what happens when we decide, you know what? I'm not going to be a Lone Ranger. I need a team. I need I need a team mentality. That is kingdom culture, right? Like the current culture, if we want to be current, if we want to be counter culture against the current culture, then we need to stop being Lone Rangers. Right? Current culture says, oh, I can do this all by myself. Or, I can do it my way. Like the Frank Sinatra song. I, I can do things and I don't need you. The only reason I might need you is to step over you and use you as a stepping stone. That's what culture says. Right? But kingdom culture says one team, one fight. We are one body, right? The foot can't say to the hand, they don't, I don't need you, right? And just go study that in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That, that's 
current culture says, I don't need you. However, kingdom culture says we are one team, one fight, right? Teamwork makes the dream work. That's what kingdom culture says. And we need to realize that if we want to change things, we need to get off our high horses, right? We need to humble ourselves. Right? James writes about that, right? I know your problems. I know your divisions, right? And then he tells them, hey, you need to humble yourselves. He tells them that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If you want that grace, and I'm not talking about just grace as in, you know what? I love you. And I'm not going to, you know, smack you down, right? I'm going to give you what you could never earn. That's not the grace I'm talking about, though it is good. The grace I'm talking about empowers us to go forth and be kingdom people, to be kingdom cultured. That's what grace does. That's the grace I'm talking about right now, because that's the grace, you know, the Bible really hits. I know we like to say, well, it's grace means God's going to give me cool gifts and I couldn't earn them. And that's only a very small part of it. We need to realize that grace, you know, is for God's glory. We need to realize that that grace is not for us to sit on the sidelines, not to live our best lives now, not to become rich and fat and be fat cats, you know, while the rest of the world is hurting and starving. And there are people in nation who are starving to death. Children being killed because the mothers can't raise them and they realize that. And it is an unfortunate thing. What are we doing about it? What are we, the church, doing about it? I tell you, we're doing nothing. Nothing. As a whole, I'm talking about. Oh, there are places and people willing to do stuff. But as a whole, we're not doing anything at all. Heck, we can't even do anything in our own backyard. Right, this trouble has been brewing in our own backyard, and we just let it happen. When we could have been changing things, you think, "Well, brother, you're crazy." You know, what about laws and government and such? And well, I'm so glad that people like Peter and Paul and John and others didn't think that way. You know, they saw places infested with darkness, and they're like, "You know what? That's a good place to go." In fact, Paul was like. You know, he looked at places like Ephesus, right? The center of the slave trade, right? Where, where Roman citizens would come to buy slaves. And he said, that's a good place to plant the church. Wow, I'm going to be a kingdom person. I'm going to go invade darkness. I'm going to take it on. And I'm not going to back down. And that's why I'm thinking about it. In the book of Ephesians, he wrote to them about putting on the full armor of God. About standing after doing all to finally stand yet you know a, a soft breeze comes our way ruffles a few leaves and we're like oh I can't do that that's way too dangerous man imagine Christianity would not have spread through the known world at that time had the early church I'm talking about the Bible people recorded you know in the Bible I'm not talking about the church fathers after would have never spread like it did in fact, without them, there would be no church fathers, by the way. But they didn't back down. They refused to be cowards. And I'm so sick and tired and heart sore over cowardly Christians. Let me tell you what. The word coward and the word Christian does not go together. They are anathema. A cowardly Christian is anathema. 
And Jesus in the book of Revelation mentions cowards specifically, right? That they will be left outside. They will be left outside the walls where their dogs are. That's some strong wording, my friends. We need to take this seriously. Jesus took it seriously enough to talk about it and have it written down and recorded for us for all time. And if, if he thought it of such importance, then why don't we? Why aren't we willing to take a stand wherever that is? All right, I'm not saying it has to be behind four walls of a church. In fact, I'm saying don't let it be behind the four walls of a church. We believed it for too long that what we do has to be restricted to the four walls of a church. No, we need to be out there. We didn't even realize that the seven mountains that has been taught you know, by, by people is an actual real deal. And those who deny the reality of the seven mountains of influence are just cowards. Now, I can't go into the media world. Well, really? But then why, why are there shows like The Chosen who have invaded the media world with Jesus? Hmm? Why are there Christian movies being made? Well, all right. Well, how about how about the corporate, the business sector? All right, we, we call it the marketplace. Why can't we influence that? Why, why can't we go there and be kingdom people? Why does it have to be restricted to a, a church? Why can't we have ministries specifically targeting that? How about targeting education? Do you want your children being taught about the good side of pornography? Not that there is, right? How about that? that do, do you want your children being taught that homosexuality is okay? That, you know what? Don't you dare tell a child what their gender is because they let them decide. You, do you honestly want your children being taught that? Or do you want to change it? It's one thing to complain. Complaining does, does nothing. How about influencing the culture and, and the mountain of education? And there are other places I could go into. But for the sake of time, I'm not. But I hope you get the idea. You say, brother, that's just unbiblical. That's heresy. Yeah, well, you know what? That's called being a religious doofus. A religious fool. You know, stuck in your high and mighty ways, you know, sneering and looking down your nose. You know, I'll tell you what before I end. I'm going to tell you just an example. I'm not bragging. I'm bragging on God here, right? The other day I went out walking. I had to go get something from my 7-Eleven. I'm walking back, right? And this, this gentleman was there uh, in his breezeway. He was drunk. He came up to me saying, hi. We had a wonderful conversation. That dude was drunk as a skunk. But you know what? After... After I don't know how long I was standing there talking to the guy, I prayed for him. Amen. I was able to pray for the brother. And he broke down in tears and he thanked me profusely for that. Nobody had up to this point in his life come and actually had a conversation with him. Had, had come and listened to him with an ear of understanding. Because he, he was telling me stuff. And I paused him and I interrupted him to tell him, hey, brother, I hear what you're saying. You're saying this. And I listed off the things he was saying. And he made, wow. You actually listen to me. Can you believe that up to this point in his life, nobody had actually listened to him. He told me a story of how somebody tried to beat religion into him, had to, you know, beat Jesus into him. That's evil. But nobody had up to this point in his life. I mean, how many, I wonder how many Christians he had come into contact with up to this point in his life. How many just passed this brother by? How many he might have said hi to but they sneered because the guy's dreads, man. Guy, Rastafarian, no, that guy. I'll wait until he gets right there and I'll talk to him. But that's not what Jesus ever did. 
I mean, they, the, the religious crowd of us, they came against him for doing that very same thing. He said, he's like, you know what? The healthy don't need me. It's the sick who need me, right? We need to bring Dr. Jesus in to people's situations. We need to be Dr. Jesus, right? We need to bring the heart surgeon in. We need to be willing to do that regardless of how people look, regardless if they're drunk. I've talking to drunks. I've talking to, 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 to homeless people sitting there smoking weed. Why? Because they need Jesus. Those are the people that need Jesus more than the people in the church walls. Get outside of their church walls. Look around your neighborhood. Look around your area and see how you can be Jesus to people. That's what it starts with. It doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to be a big name. All right. Maybe your name will never get known and praise God for that. But at least you're affecting the culture around you with kingdom culture because you're willing to be a kingdom person because not only do you say you identify with Jesus, but you act like it. You show it. That's what we need to get. The mentality of showing Jesus to people. And we show that by our actions, by loving on them, by, by lavishly loving on them, man. You, you know, just, just listening to people will change their hearts. Just be willing to shut up and listen to them. It will, oh, it will soften a heart like nothing. Like no preaching will ever do. No hellfire preaching will ever do. Man, I hate hellfire preaching for one anyways, because it's not the heart of God. Be willing to be kingdom people. That's all. Simple as that. Where will I start, brother? Well, are you discipling your own children first and foremost? Right? Are, are, are you one in unity with your wife? Okay. That's where it starts in the own house. Okay. How about your neighbors? Have you ever talked to your neighbors? I'm not saying you got you to gotta be the next Billy Graham or the next Todd White to your neighbors. I'm just saying be Jesus. Do your neighbors even know you? Do you even know anything about any of your neighbors? Do you know their names? I, I love my neighbors. I don't care what they do. I don't care how they look, man. I love my neighbors out there. Man. And I know their names. Not because I'm so cool. And by the way, I have a really bad memory from brain injury, but I just value people. I value my neighbor, Tony. I value his family and his children and his wife. I value the single mother that lives upstairs from me, Eliza. Okay? I value these people and more. Why? Because if I love God, then I will love people like I love myself. And I love to go out there and speak freedom to people because my, you know what? I was in the church. I went to churches for years, decades. And, it, and then after PTSD, you know what? I've never spoken freedom. So I want to speak freedom to people. That's why I'm willing to go out to people. Nobody ever told me of the freedom of God. Nobody told me that I could be set free from PTSD. All right. Nobody told me about this, this peace and joy of the love of God that could be my portion that is right there in the Bible. But I was never told that. So I want to go out there. I want to tell people all about it. You know, so before we end, let me just ask you this. What is something, just one thing, that you wish up to this point in your life, somebody in the body of Christ, you know, most likely a leader, pastor, teacher, somebody, would have told you up to this point in your life that you were never told. But now you have come to revelation of it. Think about that. Think about that. 
And you go out there and you speak into people's lives so they can hear that truth. So that's it for this episode of Restoring Restoring Your Voice Voice with your host, Pastor David. And saying, God bless you. Get out there and be the kingdom.